this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? So today is going to be an interactive sermon. I'm going to need your part. You're going to have to do some things. Might do a little dancing. Might do the Macarena. I'm just kidding. Um, might sing uh, Dominic the Donkey. No, no. There we go. So so what is everyone's favorite? And you can holler it out. What's your favorite uh, Chris, Christmas carol? A Holy Night, Silent Night, Jingle Bells. Joy to the World. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay, Mary, did you know? Yeah. Um, I did not hear, I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus or uh, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Did I? Did I? Did I not hear that? That's straight out of Isaiah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Great. Good night, everybody. It's good seeing you. <laughs> so I have often thought, and it hit me a few years ago when I was at United, uh, Uniontown Bible Church. We were singing a song, and I think the verse roughly went, um, Lord, I'm all in for you. You have my heart. You have everything about me. And I thought to myself, did I just lie to the Lord? Like I went, I just sang a song that might not be truthful. Not, not that the song's not truthful, but in my own heart. So it got me thinking about, and I really started just on occasion, like on weekends or whatever, I'd be like, you know what, I'm gonna look at this worship song or whatever. Well, it led me to our, uh, the hymns and the carols we sing at Christmas. And I thought to myself, do we really, really understand what we're singing? So with the way things kind of played out on Friday night, Matt said to me, he said, hey, you wanna run with that? I go, Sure. So I showed up at church, six o'clock Saturday morning. I'm calling Glenn. We're going back and forth. And that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to look at six Christmas carols. We're going to sing them, maybe only a verse. That's why I have, as I said, Billy Joel up here, the piano man, to help. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, Glenn, that's awesome. <laughs> That's just, you know, that's awesome. That just makes it so cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I thought, so one, you're going to get a history about each song. You're going to get a biblical lesson on each song, and we're going to just maybe do a stanza of that song. So specifically, we've already done Joy to the World. We did that first song, that version that Chris Tomlin did. Love that version, right? Just love that version. I think it's neat what he's done with an old carol and brought it, not that it wasn't already back to life, but just added some different twists. So let me give you some history on Joy to the World. So what we're going to do on this one, we already sang the song, but you'll see what we'll do on the following song. So, so this song in particular was written, it's been accredited to a gentleman by the name of Isaac Watts, and he wrote this song in 1719, a um, long time ago. I think I actually was in second grade with him. Um, and he's actually viewed as one of the great hymn writers. I thought that was kind of neat, and truthfully, I just didn't, I didn't know that about him. I didn't, 
you know, again, learning. That's what's fun about this. So what also is cool is, who here thinks it's a Christmas song? I think an angel just got its wings. <laughs> so I asked you a trick question, because it's not a Christmas song. It's actually a second coming song. He actually wrote the song about Jesus coming back. Okay, so where did he get his stance, or where, where did he get that from? So we're going to look at Roman, uh, not Roman, sorry, Psalm 98. It's a third service, sorry. It all mixes together at times. Psalm 98. Okay. So I want you to, I'm going to read this for you, and I just want you to listen that idea of joy. What does it mean to have joy? What does it mean to take joy to the world? Okay. So Psalm 98. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Love that, by the way, right? Seeing his victory. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with lyre, with, with lyre and the melodious song with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. We do not have a ram's horn today, by the way. Shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord, our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. Joy, joy to the world. So I want to give credit where credit is due. So Dr. Greg Foster wrote a book called Joy for the World. And he talks about this song, but what does it look like to have joy for the world? And he actually pointed out a couple things and I, I borrowed them from him to pass on to you all, but I want to give him the credit because I think it's really wonderful what he says. So he looked at four specific verses. One, let every heart prepare him room. So that verse in Joy to the World. So what does it look like? The Holy Spirit miraculously transform us through our relationship with Jesus, giving us joy of God in mind, heart, and life. Joy in mind, heart, and life. Then one of the other verses in Joy of the World says, Let men their songs employ. We are social creatures. God made us that way. This joy of God is not supposed to be locked in our isolated hearts, but this joy is to be shared with others. My question, my charge, my call to you is, are you walking around this holiday? Like, I can't believe I got to go back to Target and exchange this gift and so forth. <laughs> Or are you walking around with joy of what Christ did for you? Joy to the world. Let earth receive her king. The church is a special community of people. We are undergoing a transformative work. And the Holy Spirit uses this distinct life of church to further God's kingdom. Let us receive him and expand.
And then lastly, one of my favorite verses in Joy to the World, he rules the world with truth and grace. Dr. Kellerman, one of my professors at Capital Bible Seminary, said one of the things that we have to do as believers is we have to help have truth and grace come together. And he says it's a, it's a kiss. Like they've got, it's, it's got to work. Well, we struggle with that. Did I give that person too much truth? Did I give that person too much grace? Did I love them too much? God's not up there going, hmm, did I love them enough? Like, that's not who he is. It's just who he is. Like, he just, he exudes the perfect amount of truth, the perfect amount of grace. We can be joyous of that. Because we probably deserve a lot more truth than we get. Fair? Joy to the world. Hopefully, as we're singing that song over the next coming weeks and so forth, I really hope that you think about that idea of what joy are you exuding to others that you come in contact with? And do you have joy for what's great about us celebrating Christmas? Okay, now normally we would sing here, but we've already sang that song, so we're going to move on to our next one. And this one, I'm actually not going to tell you what the song is. We're going to see if you can guess it. So we're going to turn to Luke 2. That's in the New Testament, right, Pastor Glenn? Okay, thank you. They didn't teach me that in seminary, so. Ha ha. Okay. So verse 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Cornelius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also ended up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her first son, and she wrapped him in tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no, no guest room available for them. Verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them. And this, I just love this. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, as would we be. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. There's that joy again, folks. Great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in clothing and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So this song was written in the late 19th century. And in the early hymns, they actually believed that Martin Luther had actually written it. They found out later he did not. But even back then, they called it Luther's Cradle Song. Does not have the same ring. Doesn't, not really going to hear that on 101.9, right? <laughs> this is not the case. We are not sure really who wrote it. But we do know that it appeared first in a kid's, a children's book. 
So think about it. In 1885, it appeared in a kid's book. And this is what I thought about from a history standpoint, because my, my first degree is in history. I love kind of thinking back, and I, I try to put myself in place in history and so forth. I think about what must that have looked like to have that in a book, a lady or a man was teaching a bunch of kids about Jesus, like for the first time with something like that. I just think that's so cool. So what song is it? Away in a manger. So, Pastor Glenn, you want to lead us in Away in a manger? And we want you all to sing along too. outside of this church are singing gospel-centered songs, folks, and they don't even know it. What a wonderful opportunity, and I'm going to talk about this at the end, what a wonderful opportunity for us to go, hey, can I tell you more about that song? Can I tell you about that little baby Jesus and what he's done for me in my life? We're going to talk about that at the end. It's going to be part of your gospel uh, takeaways. But think about it. They're singing these songs, folks, and they don't even know what they're singing about. Okay. Next song. I heard this one a lot. Pretty popular song on Christmas Eve. We're all holding candles, right? Silent Night. I always think about the candle. I was singing the story earlier. We're at Uniontown, Carly was small, long hair, didn't realize I had the candle down here. Michelle was like, let's keep the hand candle up here. I'm like, yes, ma'am, I understand now, right? <laughs> but a very popular song, we love it. We love Christmas Eve, we love the candle, we love all about it, okay? So this song was composed in 1818 by a gentleman by the name of Joseph Moore. He did the lyrics and the song actually was written by Franz Gruber. But let me tell you about Joseph Moore because it's a really neat story. When he was born, he was born out of wedlock and his parents didn't want him. His father was actually the town executioner, right? They sent him away to foster home. What that must have looked like in the late 1700s, early 1800s, I can't even imagine. But somehow, the Lord grabbed a hold of him, and he actually became an ordained minister. And he was asked to write this song, and he spurred up this great friendship with Franz Gruber, and they became actually great friends. I, I actually was, I'm reading into the story a little bit, but I thought, isn't that kind of cool? They wrote that song together. I'm sure they kind of became maybe accountability partners, or, you know, you, you just don't know. You know, like you just think about how the Lord works, okay? So the melody was arranged by Franz Gruber. He was a schoolmaster and an organist in a nearby village of, of Arnsdorf. 
And what they did is they presented it, and they actually sang that song at Christmas Eve. And I believe, Pastor Glenn and I were talking about this, the story goes that they were going to do it on the organ, but a mouse had gotten loose and ate the baffle. Is that right? So that Because it was an, uh, a pump organ, so they couldn't do it, so somebody actually had to perform it on a guitar. And you think about that kind of quiet moment of a guitar and singing Silent Night, it must have been a beautiful picture. So, Pastor Glenn, can you lead us in a, a verse or two of Silent Night, please? chokes me up. He knew what he was going to do. Like, I mean, it's just, that's just hard for me to even imagine. That's how much God loves us. And I think in a time where we struggle with, you know, kind of our finding our identity and our self-worth, it's all found in Christ, folks. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Pretty cool. So let me give you one little nugget about this song has nothing to do with church for a split second, but I thought it was kind of neat. Bing Crosby singing this song, it's the third biggest selling single ever in the history of music. So think about it. All those people, Christians and unchristian, singing about Jesus' birth, folks. God's giving you a window. He's asking you to walk through it and share the good news, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. Okay, so our next song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. So, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the Great Commission. We are called to go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it in the city, go tell it in the grocery store right? We are called. It's not a suggestion. It does not say, oh, and by the way, verse 15 does not say, by the way, if you have enough time today, right? Listen to what it's telling us. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this song was an African-American spiritual song compiled by John Wesley Work Jr. dating back in the 18, 1860s. So think about what was going on there, right folks? Civil War, 
It is considered a Christmas carol because its lyrics celebrate the nativity of Jesus. John Wesley Work Jr. can be credited for the fact that we will sing Go Tell It on the Mountain every Christmas, although he may not have originally created this spiritual. Work grew up in a Nashville loving uh, music and is the son of a preacher man. Why is this song so important and why is it such a great reminder for us during this season? So think about us being in this series of acts. We serve an unstoppable God with an unstoppable plan. And because of that, we are the unstoppable church. And we need to go tell it on the mountain. We are called to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me hit you with a couple verses out of there. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. I can't make it any simpler. Go do it. Tell others about Jesus Christ. But my favorite verse, down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born, and God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. This is not a song for us to just sing, folks. It's a song to give us a charge of what we're called to do. Pastor Glenn? Let's sing uh, the chorus of this one twice, okay? hearing you all sing by the way really nice to hear so again that's our charge folks go tell it on the mountain and if you want we can show you where some mountains are if you'd like to go up and tell it right go tell it on the mountain okay our next song two of the most popular uh, Christmas songs are our next are our last two songs and our first one oh come all ye faithful This is written by John Francis Wade, and it's translated by Frederick Oakley. This is an adaptation of a Latin hymn, Adeste Fidelis, and was written in the mid-18th century. The encouragement was to come all ye faithful is referencing the shepherds who came to see Christ. But more importantly for us today, it's this idea that we are to come together as a body of believers that we are to come to celebrate what God is continuing to do, what he's done in the past, what he's doing now, and what he's doing in the future. And we are to come together as a group, as a community, as a body of believers to do that and to sing songs. So Acts 2.46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. And they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. So this idea they're supposed to come together. And then we see in Hebrews 10, 25, verse 25, they don't stop meeting together. Keep, keep, keep doing it. That's what we're called to do. We're, I'm telling you, we're not meant to do life by ourselves. 
I, I, you will hear me say this a thousand times. I have not done well when I've lived life by myself. It goes much better when you do it with a body of believers and so forth. So, okay. So let me read a couple uh, Psalms for you and what it means to bring him praise and worship. Psalm 1849, therefore I will give thanks to you among the nations, Lord. I will sing praises about your name. Psalm 30, verse 4, sing to the Lord, you his faithful one, and praise his holy name. Psalm 96, 1 through, th- 1 through 3, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim his salvation from day to day, declares his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all the people. This verse makes me want to go, let's go, right? Just makes you want to run out there and do it. And then lastly, Psalm 98, 4, let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. We are called to do that. Come together as a body of believers. Come all ye faithful. Okay? And you'll hear, because we're going to do it right now. Listen to that. Come let us adore him. So powerful. song oh holy night right I saw smiles come across most of your faces talk about a song that just is so powerful to us at Christmas so I don't have a specific verse for you because here's my suggestion read the Bible it preaches oh holy night from the beginning till the end right now we're going to look at a couple verses from O Holy Night and where they where scripture applies. But what a beautiful song. Anybody hear Josh Groban sing O Holy Night? Right? Right? Think about the amount of unbelievers who are hearing the gospel and the opportunity we have to extend that for them. And again, we'll talk about that at the end. This story, though, is the coolest story. It's why I saved it to the end. It's a really cool story how O Holy Night came about. So this song has a strange but fascinating story behind it. The story begins in France in 1847 with a poet poet named Placid Capillo. He was a winemaker and was known more for his poetry than as a church-going man. Stop drinking wine, go to church. No. Um, 
But think about, think about, just listen to the story how God works. Okay, so this guy, his local pastor said, hey, you're a poet writer, I, I want you to write a poem for Christmas. And he was like, sure, I don't really go to church often. So what did he do? He opened scripture and he went right to Luke 2. He pictured himself in that moment when Christ was born. He literally, in his memoirs, he was writing that he pictured himself, what if I was standing there when it happened? So think about Old Holy Night again. Think about that song and picture him doing that. For the first time, the song was performed at the Midnight Mass, and it was a hit. But the problem was, the gentleman that wrote the song, did I miss his name already? Oh, yeah, Capio. He asked a guy by the name of Adolf Adams, and Adams said, sure, I'll help you write the music, you do the lyrics, and so forth. Here's what happened, though. The church found out later that Adams was Jewish, and they deemed the song to be unfit for the church. I'm going to pause right here because I'd be a horrible pastor if I did not say this. Folks, it is so important that we are a church with open, loving arms to all those that come in this church. I have no idea what had happened to Adams in his walk. But I've known many people over the years that have been hurt by the church, and I think about what did it do to that man's walk. I don't know. I can only assume. The church seemed unfit for the church. But let me show you how God works. So the French loved it. They continued singing it. They didn't care what the church said. And a decade later, an American brought it to a new audience. His name was John Sullivan Dwight, and he was an abolitionist. And he identified with the third verse. And this is what it says. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law his lo is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. In his name, all oppression shall cease. Think about, think about him being in the Civil War and hearing that. I mean, he must have been glued to that. This song became very popular in, in the Civil War time period. And the story goes that the song was actually sung during the Franco-Prussian War, and the fighting stopped because of it. And then here's your little historical tidbit. In 1906, this song was sung and transmitted over the radio for only a few to hear. And it is believed that it is the first song ever that was trans transmitted over radio airwaves. How cool is that? The gospel. Oh, holy night. Think about, I just, man, I think about that. It's so cool. So let me give you a couple verses from the song, and then let me tie it to scripture for you. A thrill of hope and weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new glorious morn, plus chains he will break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall, shall cease. Romans 18, 19 through 21. 
For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's Son to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from bondage to decay and the glorious freedom of God's children. Then the next verse from O Holy Night. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. John 13. I will give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And lastly the verse. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise. We, with all hearts, we praise his holy name. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of the Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymn, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let's sing O Holy Night, and I'll wrap us up. So here's where grace is applied. I am not Josh Groban. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you can do it, brother. Yeah. So help me out with this, guys. I'll give you the best I got, all right? Bringing on a guy. Hey, by the way, can you sing O Holy Night for us? <laughs> Pastor Glenn, you knocked it out of the park. I thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Praise the Lord for those gifts, right, brother? Amen. So let me wrap all this up for you in three gospel. I went three. I'm sorry, I went Francis Scott Key. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I really did, by the way. I, my friends who are watching, probably, I'm gonna, I'll get some text later. Um, three gospel responses. So important. The songs are great. The history is great. 
but scripture is what teaches us, right? Okay. Number one, we need to sing these songs with a heart of worship. Do not throw something at me here. This is not about singing these songs to bring Christmas spirit to your life. It's about a heart of worship, folks. It's wonderful singing all the Christmas songs, Jingle Bells, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, Dominic the Donkey, all of them. They're, they're a blast. I get it. And they're fun to have playing. Michelle would tell you we've had them playing in our house since Thanksgiving. But there is something about these Christ-centered songs should lead us to a heart of worship. He is worthy of our praise. Second, we need to sing these songs as a reminder to ourselves and to each other. That's why we do this. It's one of the reasons why we come together as a church to do this together as a body of believers, taking communion, singing in worship, learning together. The songs are for ourselves, but they're also to sing together to encourage each other. And lastly, we need to sing and share the real meaning of these songs to, to others outside the church. Generally speaking, I have two minutes left and I want to go too long because I could go long on this. Generally speaking, most people say to me, the reason I don't share Christ with people is I'm a fear, uh, I have a fear of rejection. I don't want don't to upset anybody, whatever. One, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. Two, in God's infinite wisdom, he's created avenues for all of us. You don't have to stand on a street corner. Not that you can't, but you don't have to stand on a street corner with a big sign because God has put you in a sphere of influence. You have people you work with, people that you hang out with, your kids are in soccer, whatever. You have the ability of people around you. These songs create an opportunity for you to share the gospel. Hey, Bob, what's your favorite song? Man, I love Joy to the World. Really? What's your favorite verse? Hey, you know what? I'd love to point out to you, that comes out of Isaiah 9-6. I would love to share with you who you're singing about. That guy has changed my life. Go tell it on the mountain, folks. That's what Christmas is about. You're going to get some cool presents. I get it. You're going to give some cool presents. I'm more than happy to take great presents from you. <laughs> Kidding. It's about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, having a heart of worship, and coming together as a body of believers to experience that together. Go tell it on the mountain, folks. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord. I, I really do. I think about this, Lord. You have given all these people, past and present and in the future, you've given them gifts and talents, Lord, to write these kinds of songs, that songs that we can carry on, that we can sing, that we can have a reminder of your greatness, Lord. Father, would this be the season that it's not just about us getting presents, Lord, but us coming with a heart of worship, Father, us coming together as a body of believers, Lord, and singing your praise, Father. And lastly, Father, would we have a heart 
to leave here and go tell it on the mountain, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you. We lift this up to you in your son's holy, holy, precious name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
to touch their harps of gold. Well, it was great worshiping with you all today. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him and go tell it on the mountain. So as Matt always reminds us, we are to drive into the dark and light it up, right? Go do it. What? No? Stand in the midst of darkness. Sorry. Well, I drive. I don't, I, I barely do anything else other than driving. So Matt, Matt will get me for that one on Tuesday. So have a great day have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.